I looked at uh, some people who could potentially replace Quinn Snyder if he's not coming back. And again, there was the article that came out earlier this week. What was it? Tuesday, I think officially it came out that Quinn Snyder and the Jazz remain undecided on what their future is going to be. The Jazz want him back. They have an offer on the table for an extension. It seems like that is a, if you want to come back, you have to sign this extension. It's not exactly what we know, but he has one year left on his deal. Then he has a uh, an option for himself. I suspect the Jazz want to know, hey, is this it? Are you coming back for three years, four years, or are you done? Are you going to want to go to San Antonio? Are you going to want to see if Philadelphia opens up in a year? What are you know what what are you seriously hoping your next couple of years looks like? So I just went through and looked at some of the names that could potentially step up and replace Quinn Snyder if the Jazz figure out this summer they have to do it. And there's going to be a lot of options. That's a, you know it's a huge question for the Jazz, and I guess it probably depends on what you think this team is going to look like. If you're trading Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, you probably want one type of coach. If you're keeping both of them, you want a different type of coach. If you're trading one or the other, you probably want a mixture of the two. You don't want necessarily an old coach who's trying to put you to a championship who has a bunch of experience. But if you're holding on to Donovan Mitchell, you don't want to saddle him with a new coach who's going to make mistakes and has to learn on the job, and Donovan Mitchell has to waste the next two or three years hoping that that coach gets it right. That can be really difficult to do. Okay, so it's complicated. I'm curious what you would think. Because I look at Ime Udoka, and I'll get to some of these names that I mentioned yeah. here and, and run through the, the resume. I've got thoughts for sure. <clears throat> so you look at, you know, the new head coach, the guy who's never done it before, the young face, the familiar face, the veteran head coach who's won before and maybe just needs a change of scenery, or can you go pie in the sky, can you try and go and get the big name? So I'll just go with the familiar faces first, and we can talk about who these people are and uh, their, their, their names that every Jazz fan knows. Alex Jensen's the most obvious one. He's kind of Quinn's lead assistant right now. He's been with the Jazz since the Tyrone Corbin era. He's interviewed for head coaching jobs. It seems like at some point someone's probably going to give him an opportunity. Okay. People who know him really like him. He's been the key development coach for Rudy Gobert. You take that for what it's worth. But we should recognize that Rudy Gobert's improvement from when he got into the league to where he is now is significant. And Alex Jensen has a huge role in that. As you point out, going from late first round to Hall of Famer is pretty pretty difficult. Pretty good. Uh, Johnny Bryant, former Jazz assistant, now an assistant for the New York Knicks under Tom Thibodeau. They had that really great first year. I thought he would get some more uh, head coaching opportunities and interviews because he's technically the associate head coach with the Knicks. Young, has great relationships with players across the league, including Paul Millsap, Donovan Mitchell, and Damian Lillard. Not that you care about Paul Millsap anymore, but that was kind of his break in. He started working with guys independently, helped him develop shots, helped him get better on the floor, and all three of those guys are all-stars. He okay. clearly has an ability to uh, appeal to other players, especially high-level players. Uh, and I think learning under Tom Thibodeau, say what you will about Tibbs, he's still pretty respected across the league. Okay, can I pause you for one second? Please do. And we can get on uh, onto the rest of this, and of course you can you can read at kslsports.com. Would encourage you to do so. Uh, I would just eliminate all of those candidates already. I'm that's not happening. A little bit with you. Yeah, I mean, there, if you're going to move away from Quinn Snyder, you're moving away from Quinn Snyder. Correct. So I, I don't think if I, I think all three of those are fine coaches. Don't get me wrong. Alex Jensen is a uh, is a staple of the community since he was in high school. Yep. I don't think his qualifications matter. I think if you're moving on from Quinn Snyder, you're moving on from Quinn Snyder. I think you're shaking it up. Yep. And Danny Ainge has no affiliation to any of these people. Correct. The one name I would potentially say of that list that is realistic, 
but I put him on there because I think they could all get interviews, is Johnny Bryant. Because he's left, because he's a Tibbs guy now, and Danny Ainge had Tibbs as Doc Rivers' assistant, I believe, when they were winning titles with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. I think Tibbs was on the bench he was. there. He which was, was how he ended up, he was their defensive guru. He was. Which is how he ended up getting head coaching jobs elsewhere. So you have now his lead assistant in Johnny Bryant. He's young. Half the league has black coaches now. I think there are a lot of reasons why. And a lot of players are requiring that. Not requiring it, but preferring it. And the Jazz have one of the least diverse coaching staffs and front offices in the, in the NBA right now. Certainly one of the least diverse front offices. So adding more diversity, not just for the sake of diversity, but because they're incredibly good at their jobs, like Johnny Bryan is, would make him, I think, in a somewhat ideal candidate and does know the state and does know Donovan Mitchell. So if you're making a move to trade Rudy Gobert in order to build around Donovan Mitchell and you wanted to bring in a coach that you think could benefit him as well, that has some chops, that knows how the team works, that knows the culture, I think of those three, I would put Johnny Bryant way at the top. And then I think, unfortunately, for Alex Jensen, I would put him at the bottom of those three just because I think you're right. He's probably got the most Quinn Snyder in him. But he's extremely qualified to be a head coach in the future, and I think he will get a job. And I actually think Igor Kokoshkov will get another job as well. All right. So I think all three of those guys will have head coaching jobs at some point in the next you know, five years. Okay. Former head coaches that we could look at uh, for the Utah Jazz, names that have been thrown around that are interviewing elsewhere. Here's the thing. Neither of them might be available by the time the Jazz are making a hire. If Quinn decides in the next week or two, this isn't for me anymore. Terry Stotts, former Portland Trailblazers head coach, also coached in Milwaukee, coached in Atlanta for a little while. His resume in Portland is good. They, they made the playoffs seven of his nine seasons, I think, that he was in. Uh, Portland. Maybe it was eight of the nine seasons. I think it was eight of the nine seasons. Had a winning record seven of the nine seasons, 500 or better. Uh, but he only made it out of the first round of the playoffs three times in those eight trips to the playoffs. Including a conference final. Including a conference final, though, two years ago. He did. And that's farther than you know the Jazz have gone with Quinn Snyder. And I would say he probably did it with a less talented team. But he had a lot of first-round exits. That was kind of his MO. I love Stotts. I... Immensely qualified. He would be a great hire for whatever franchise got him. He checks a lot of boxes in the sense that he's won with playoff teams. He's developed young teams. He's worked with star players. He's worked with star players in small markets. He's an offensive guru. That's what Portland did best. They were a bad defensive team usually when he was there. But they had Damian Lillard as their best player, and you're going to be a bad defensive team when your best player is a bad defensive player. The Jazz are learning that with Donovan Mitchell as well. There's some similarities there. But is that going to fix your problem? You know, could Terry Stotts, if you gave him enough defensive pieces around Damian Lillard or, excuse me, Donovan Mitchell, fix those issues? I don't know if he can. He may not be the defensive mind. He'd be a pretty safe shakeup, though. Um, You're replacing a good coach with a good coach. Yes. I I mean, Terry Stotts was a top 10 coach. It's not reckless. I mean, honestly, it may pay off for him, but going uh, going from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd is a pretty, that's a a pretty radical shakeup. Yeah. And it seemed to work out at least year one. Yeah, sure. But Stotts would be a pretty safe bet, shake-up kind of move. You're not going to get significantly worse because Terry Stotts doesn't know what he's doing. Absolutely not. He doesn't coach poorly coached teams. Right. And he doesn't create drama. Like Portland, everyone seemed to get along with each other. There were a lot of major issues in the front office. Disasters in the front office and a death. But you know what? 
as long as Terry Schatz was there, you didn't really hear about it, right. which is probably a good thing. Yep, because he's a pretty he, he he's a steady ship. I don't think you could harshly criticize that hire if he were the guy. Here's a name I really like. Uh, but I think he probably gets a job in the next couple of weeks. Kenny Atkinson. Uh, Kenny Atkinson was in Brooklyn. He took over some of those terrible teams that had traded away all their draft picks for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. They had no talent on the roster, and they were winning 25 games. Like, they were tanking, but they weren't tanking because they couldn't have, they didn't have any picks to reward themselves. So he took a, a team over three seasons. I think they went like 22 and 60 his first year. 25 and whatever, 57 his second year, whatever the numbers would be. And then his third year in Brooklyn with no stars, I think other than Spencer Dinwiddie, ended up winning 42 games. Uh, I think they just barely missed the playoffs in the East, if I'm correct, on that team. But in three seasons, he took a team with no direction, no talent, no flexibility, and turned them into a winning roster. And they were one of the more enjoyable teams to watch. They were exciting. He stepped down midway through his fourth year. Uh, got out of the way for Jacques Vaughn because it was clear he wasn't going to come back the next season. And since then has gone on to coach under Tyron Lue in uh, Los Angeles with the Clippers. And this year is uh, on a finals team with Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. And you know what? Tyron Lue and, uh, and Steve Kerr are generally regarded as probably two of the top five coaches in the NBA right now. So can I give you a theory on Kenny for, for a second here? Because it, it does surprise me he's gone this long without getting another gig. But... Did you ever? Uh, did you ever watch the? Uh, sorry, I won't get too lengthy on this. Did you ever watch the TV show News Radio? Of course. Uh, Jimmy James comes into Dave's office and says, "Dave, you have to hand out raises to the entire staff." But one member of the staff gets the big raise, and one member of the staff gets no raise, and they called that the shaft. <laughs> so one member of the staff gets the shaft. Yeah. Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn absolutely got the shaft. <laughs> For no fault of his own. I mean, all he did was coach his butt off with the hand that he was dealt. And and you broke that down very nicely, which wasn't a real rosy hand, and he just coached his butt off. Yep. And then for no fault of his own, Brooklyn goes out and signs all these stars, and, well, let me put it this way. The writing was on the wall with, with Kenny that it wasn't, that's not the direction they were going to go. And it had nothing to do with him and his coaching ability. Does that make sense? Yep. Like all of a sudden he became a bad fit for what they were doing. Which he would have got been the shaft. Really funny. Had they hired a guy like Terry Stotts or an experienced coach and said, we need someone who can handle Kevin Durant right. and Kyrie Irving. And instead they went with Steve Nash. Yes. <laughs> so like, that you was, should, they would have been better off with Jacques Vaughn who took over temporarily when. When uh, uh, Kenny Atkinson resigned. Right. So Kenny was not the the coach that they wanted for that team. Whether they were right or wrong, he wasn't it. It wasn't his fault. If if Bozo the Clown were coaching and he, they moved him aside, we wouldn't be having this guy. It was like what happened to Stan Van Gundy in Miami. Point being, I bet he did not enjoy the shaft. And so I think he's probably picking his job. I wonder if the Jazz job did come open, if he wouldn't be, that wouldn't be attracted to a guy like him because it's a low drama. Yeah. You're not going to get the shaft in Utah, at least not after year three or whatever. I mean, it's just not what this franchise does. You're usually set up to win. The franchise is usually trying to win. You're never really going to get thrown under the bus. All these things that... uh, from no fault of his own, happened to him there in Brooklyn. So I, I, that's an interesting one to me. Long story short. Uh, Kenny is a finalist, apparently, with uh, Mike D'Antoni for the Charlotte job. 
So we'll see. Be interesting to see D'Antoni getting another retread. Bet you a hundred bucks they hired D'Antoni. Yeah. Yep. And I wonder if it's because Kenny would be like, mm, Charlotte. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, at some point you need to take a head coaching job again, you know, because you need to get you need to. You know why I wouldn't take the Charlotte job, Ben? It's because the last guy, Steve Clifford, was a good coach. Yeah, so was James Borrego. Or not coaches. the last guy, Clifford was what two but, guys ago, but Borrego was good too. Clifford yeah. and Borrego were both good coaches. Good coaches, set up to fail. I don't got to say something. I don't trust Mike. I don't trust Michael Jordan to make good decisions necessarily. Or I like the way the team is built. Or apparently Mitch Kupchak, yeah. but they do have a special young player. Yep. And they're you know they're, they're going to have a little flexibility. They're they're a fun team. They're so a maybe cool that's team. why somebody like Kenny Atkinson would take it. But anyway, it wouldn't surprise me if he was being very choosy about which job he took next. Like not a super, like you would think the Kings would bend over backwards to hire that guy. Maybe it's not a shocker that he's not head coach in Sacramento. You know what I mean? We've gone through you know some of the familiar faces that could possibly be the next head coach for the Jazz. We've gone through uh, former head coaches in Terry Stotts and Kenny Atkinson, both candidates that I I would uh, think would be pretty good. Let's move on from there, Ben, and uh, we want to get people's thoughts out there what they think too. Uh, here's the other potential candidates. These names, other than one, won't be as familiar to most basketball fans, but are names out there that uh, are probably some of the next people in line to get. Head coaching jobs. Chris Quinn, Miami Heat assistant. Chris Quinn, I'm trying to figure out. He's kind of, imagine Ronnie Price. If you don't remember Chris Quinn, the NBA player, undrafted, got onto a training camp, played well in a summer league, ended up as the 15th man or whatever, 13th man at the time on the Miami Heat roster. Stuck around long enough to end up, you know, getting slightly into the rotation. And then was kind of your 10th guy. Was, was If there was an injury, Chris Quinn was going to play. He's going to get on the floor. Had a pretty successful NBA career for a guy that wasn't all that highly sought after. I want to say he went to Notre Dame. I could be wrong about that. But has then retired. The day he retired from the Miami Heat, he was hired by the Heat to be their player development coach. Worked his way up, which is a hard thing to do. We've talked about this with like Quinton Ganther, who's at the Utes now. But really went the hard way of NFL and then started over his coaching career. Like, actually wasn't like, hey, hand me an offensive coordinator job. Really did the work. Went to live in Ogden. Coached at Weber State. Worked his way up to the point where now he's a running backs coach in in the Pac-12. But Chris Quinn did that same thing, and now he's the lead assistant under Eric Spolstra in Miami. And uh, if you look at Miami, they basically do everything right when it comes to coaching in the front office. At least it feels that way from afar. Good resume. Really good resume. So Chris Quinn uh, is one name I'd keep an eye on. Will Hardy is probably the best name on this list that I think is probably the next head coach to get hired as an assistant coach and is probably just biding his time and waiting to pick the right job because he's a smart guy. Uh, he was an assistant under Greg Popovich, which automatically puts you onto the uh, NBA coaching radar. He left Pop to go join Ime Udoka's staff in Boston for this one year. And, of course, they've now uh, turned that season around so well that uh, they're headed to the finals. Will Hardy is a name that I would really circle as a potential next guy basically anywhere. But he also has a lot of interesting jazz ties. First of all, the jazz have always been somewhat closely tied to San Antonio. Obviously, some of those... Uh, relationships are gone now that Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder, if, if this was the case, Quinn Snyder were to leave, they wouldn't necessarily have that Spurs marriage, but that's kind of always been a part of the culture, so I think it's permeated here. And then, 
Danny Ainge is clearly not fully divorced himself from the Boston Celtics. He goes to the games. He sits courtside at games. I suspect we'll see him at a finals game coming up here because he was the architect of that team. So even though he didn't hire Ime Udoka, he can talk to everyone, including his son, who still works for the Celtics organization, and say, hey, tell me about Will Hardy. Tell me about him as an assistant coach. What does he do well? Do you think he can be a head coach? He can get all that info with good inside, sourced info, and he's a top assistant on a finals team, which is a very popular way to hire your next coach. So Will Hardy is a name I would really circle if I'm a jazz fan. Uh, Becky Hammond, the Las Vegas Aces head coach, like Will Hardy, was also an assistant coach under Greg Popovich, uh, interviewed and became a finalist for the Portland Trailblazers job before they hired Chauncey Billups. In retrospect, they probably should have just hired Becky. But uh, I I think uh, looking at what she's gone and done in the Las Vegas Aces, uh, she clearly has it as a head coach. They uh, started 9-1. and one. She's the first ever WNBA coach to win Coach of the Month in their very first year as the head coach. All right. But you are making the leap of hiring the first woman as a head coach. You know, it's a, that's a – regardless of what you think about it, you know, it's and I, I think it's long overdue. Obviously, there are good female coaches. She would be just fine in the NBA. You have to find – the right situation like you do with any coach and everything that comes with it. And a team like the Jazz, who are probably not wanting to start over and build from the ground up, which I think would be the ideal situation if I were hiring any new coach, including Chris Quinn, Will Hardy, the next name I'm going to throw out here, and Becky Hammond, I want a team that's going to win 25 games, that is going to make mistakes, that the new head coach gets to make mistakes on, they learn together, they get a lottery pick. That lottery pick, who's going to be a future star, comes in under the guise of this new head coach, so they are automatically assigned some authority, and you grow together, which is where Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell had a real strong thing, where Donovan, or where uh, Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert had a strong thing. He had two stars that he had basically overseen their whole career and helped bring them to the promised land. Next name, I would say, is uh, Kevin Young. Kevin Young's kind of an interesting name around here as well. He's Monty Williams' lead assistant with the Phoenix Suns. They headed to the finals last year. They had the best record in the NBA this season. And it just so happens Kevin Young was born in Utah. He coached the Utah Flash in 2010. Uh, He's coached other G League teams, which actually, if I were to look at the resumes of coaches I like in the NBA or the coaches I like in the NBA and then tried to find the common theme in their resumes... Most of them were good G League coaches. Nick Nurse, Taylor Jenkins, Quinn Snyder. You know, going through the G League is not a bad way to prove that you can be a head coach and you put in the work because it's not glamorous. Probably not a lot of money in it, and you have to work with guys who are somewhat misfits, to use a lazy term. Uh, And Kevin Young did that as well before joining Monty Williams' staff and uh, has been quite well-liked, I guess, in uh, in Phoenix. And again, like I said, has uh, has quite a bit of ties to Utah history. So those are the four names that maybe are a little less uh, flashy, but if you're looking for assistant coaches that could be realistic options that you'd want to interview, those are the four. And finally, here's my pie-in-the-sky option. I will say this because it's a loose rumor that I've heard. There's some belief in Miami that this marriage might come to an end, but it might be hard to say that, or maybe that's changed a little bit. You're talking about Eric Spolstra. Since the conference finals. I've heard there's some theory that Eric Spolstra... I don't know if it's the Jimmy Butler stuff, that they got into a fight late in the year. Maybe Eric Spolstra's desire to stay in Miami as the second longest coach in the NBA uh, may not be there anymore. Or could be potentially shaken. Just what I've heard. And the connections, Dwayne Wade. is talked about Dwayne Wade in Utah. So... 
does Danny Ainge have that kind of you know pull where he can go and call and say, hey, guys, I've won titles. I know you're in Miami and you're working for Pat Riley. I mean, Pat Riley's probably the biggest pull of any front office you know member in the NBA right now. But if Spo was looking for a change of scenery, wanted to try something different, the Jimmy Butler thing really kind of rattled his desire to be in Miami, and obviously they're going to stick with Jimmy, it sounds like, this offseason. If he says, yeah, you can do that with somebody else, why not call Eric Spolstra? See if you can offer him all the money on the moon. Have him build a staff, give him some control over the team as well, and then uh, and then go with that desire. Go with a guy like that. That's the absolute, you know, if you could hit a grand slam, if you could pick your, your coach, it would be Eric Spolstra. And I didn't just say, hey, throw a name out there. There's kind of some thought that maybe he's not cemented into the ground there. All right. Uh, I've got some thoughts on it all. I'll get to it uh, coming up next. Stay tuned. It is uh, Jake and Ben. Sorry for just reading the article to you. That wasn't the plan today. But I'm happy to go over these names. I think uh, Jazz fans are interested. We'll get to it next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Listen up, y'all. This is the best dadgum sharpshooting cowgirl in the West. And I'm here talking about target practice, breeding ground for wildfires. Here's how to keep them from spreading. Clear your backdrop of dry grass and rock and always have water on hand to snuff out pesky sparks. Back where I'm from, them Jones boys kept having shootouts in the dry, grassy field outside of town. They're the reason it's a ghost town. Dumb been burnt to a crisp. Shoot targets away from dry grass and rock. Use your fire sense. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What, were we, what did you say about Kevin, that he had uh, impossible standards, something like that? Yeah. You can always move the goalpost? Yep. That sucks. Unsatiable. It's the worst. Uh, all right, we, uh, we've gone over uh, Ben's article up at kslsports.com talking about uh, if Quinn Snyder and the Jazz were to part ways, who potentially could be out there as a, uh, as a possible replacement. And I thought you did a very uh, good job laying, uh, laying out uh, what possibly could be out there. Glad you didn't include Jim Boylan because that was the, my favorite part of the last coaching search is when his name kept, kept surfacing. And it was like, listen, they, the Jazz would never hire Jim Boylan. There must have been something there, because I think he interviewed, right? It was like Lionel Hollins, Jim Boylan, and Quinn Snyder. Uh, And in retrospect, thank goodness the Jazz hired who they did. I guess, unless you're convinced that you're hiring the best head basketball coach on the planet, why would you ever hire a coach where you automatically start with, like, an L? You start without any public, like, yay. Like, you start without the honeymoon period. Because, I mean, right. if you want to look at it, Ute fans obviously think he's a bozo, and BYU fans likely do, too. So you start with the whole, like, uh, fan base being like, so this guy's going to fail. Well, I mean, okay. You, why would you ever make that higher? But anyway. Uh, Hold on. Along those lines, the name I didn't put on this list, but I thought about was Mark Pope. He wants to be an NBA coach. We know that. I don't suspect he's all that long for BYU. Maybe he is. Maybe he doesn't get an opportunity to move up or move out. But I suspect 
college coaching is terrible. We know it's terrible. We know it's really hard. He played in the NBA. He's got NBA roots. I, I think ideally he would be an NBA coach if he could. And look, he's got his people in place now. The guys who wanted him at BYU are now running the Jazz, yeah. owning the Jazz. And I get that connection there. I think that would be a bad hire if I were making the decision because, I, I mean, to steal Michael Jordan's phrase, Ute fans go to Jazz games too. Yeah. Speaking of like starting sure. off behind the eight ball, sure. Uh, there isn't a portion of the fan base. I don't know. You're more in tune with this than I am. Already grumpy about Danny Ainge. Yes, and, a, uh, a big group, right? And I've talked to uh, like the the makeup of the audience at the games now is a little bit different than it was before. Maybe catering to a different high level clientele. Sure. I don't know. The smarter people can can talk about that more. But anyway, I don't think you make that higher. If it were me, I I certainly would not do that. But I, I also don't think Ryan Smith would do it. And here's my um, here's my opinion with you. Everything Ryan Smith has done so far has been swing for the fences. Hiring Dwayne Wade. Yep. Hiring Danny Ainge. Right. Regardless of what you feel about yeah. Danny Ainge, that's a that's a big swing. To land for a front office gig, it almost feels like one of those uh, answers to the sports radio questions of like who could be the next BYU head coach, and everybody goes Andy Reid. Yeah, right. You know, I feel like if we threw it out ten years ago, like who should be the next Jazz GM, people would be like, "Well, Danny Ainge," right. and we would immediately dismiss it. Like, <laughs> Danny's never going to do that, and and they landed him. Right? I mean, who? Nobody ever would have thought Dwayne Wade would be part owner of the Utah Jazz. That's madness. Yep, nailed it. And then look at the partners Ryan Smith put together, too. I mean, we talked about, and dang it, Ben, his, his name. Mike Cannonbrooks. Uh, from Australia? Yep. Ah, that dude's a heavy hitter. Like, I mean, like a, like, not a heavy, like, world changer. Like, one of the, he made yeah. the Times most, 100 most important people list. It seems to me that, that Ryan has taken a swing for the fence type of approach to all of this. And I... I I love what you said about Spo, and I'm glad you included it. And maybe that is a pipe dream, but that's the exact type of aggressive move I think that Ryan Smith has shown himself to be eager to do, which is a complete departure from how the Millers did things. And there's more than one right way to do things, uh, certainly. But the Millers, I mean, just think about the owners for a second. Larry was a scrappy car guy that got in early on the NBA and really benefited from it, but that was his that was his mentality, kind of this I'm, I'm fighting in this world where it didn't come all overnight, right? He had to leverage himself significantly, take a bunch of risks, and not that Ryan didn't either, but I do think it's it's a little bit different uh, in in some ways. But Larry ran the jazz kind of like a old school car guy for sure. And really, think about Jerry Sloan. That was a that was actually a leap because he was he did not have a good stretch with the Bulls. I don't want to say Jerry was damaged goods, but a little bit. He was, yeah. And it took an extraordinary act from Frank Layden, who actually stepped aside, which yeah. is kind of a unheard of, unheard of type of thing. But uh, that's kind of how Larry operated, and then stuck with it. And it was it was a very conservative way to run a run a franchise, right? And even hiring Ty Corbin, which was that before or after Larry's passing? I think it was after. But they gave Ty Corbin a three-year deal. I mean, sheer loyalty, very conservative move, right? Uh, you know, just hand that over. And even in the way that they operated hiring Quinn Snyder and where he came from, I mean, it wasn't a very... Brian Smith 
feels to me like a guy who's going to say, I'm not going to be the scrappy guy in the room. I belong. I'm here. I'm going to swing just like you guys are going to swing because he, he look at his bankroll. <laughs> He's doing fine. You know what I mean? And I think that served him in his, in his personal life is taking those kind of different kind of risks maybe than Larry took. Right down to that famous anecdote that he talks about where he talked to a, Ryan Smith, talked to his wife, and they had a really generous offer when the, the company was really young. And he took a big risk by passing on it, and it made him literally billions of dollars. Yep. He That's de- a big swing. You know what I mean? That's not a conservative move. That's a big swing. He's a big swing dude. He does not want Utah to be viewed as a small market anymore. And promoting Alex Jensen is a small market move. I, he might be the best guy for the job. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't think Ryan Smith's gonna do that. You need to make smart moves. Don't get too cute by just saying, "Hey, we're gonna go for the biggest name always available." No, we know that blows up. But I, I mean, I think Danny Ainge is a smart move. I think bringing in Dwayne Wade's a smart move. You know, I think there are sm- both. I, both are smart. Bringing in Dwayne Wade is brilliant. Yeah, I think they are. Those were good moves so far. Those aren't just hey, let me throw my money around and show how flashy I can be. There are stupid people who do that. There are a lot of, you know, high wealth morons out there. I do not think Ryan Smith is a high wealth moron. <laughs> he gets a lot of money. I don't think I've seen him do anything that I would necessarily say is stupid. So I think that's a good sign so far. And you're right. If the Jazz do lose Quinn Snyder, I don't think he's going small town. Let's bring in the cute name. I think he's going to swing for the fences. I think so, too. And, and Spo would fit that. Um I mean, I think Kenny Atkinson would be a great hire. If you, if you want me to break it down a little bit further on the list, I think I think Kenny would be a home run. I, I love Terry Stotts. By the way, I found out uh, we were talking about Spoh's contract yesterday and what it is. He has a base of $3 million, and he gets $120,000 for every additional win every season. So $3 million he gets just for getting out of bed, and then you know you win 50 games, you win another whatever that is, $6 bucks. So he's making about $9 million a year. So he's doing fine. So... But yeah, you go throw 12 at him. Yeah, that's how you get a guy. And then you give him some control. Like, there's there's ways to get coaches if you want to pry him away. So I think that's what he's going to do. Big swing. Big swing. Whether you land him or not is a different story. He has not had a lot of failures wanting to bring people around him. And if, now this is a big if, and maybe we get into this stuff a little bit later, but if they are slow playing Quinn Snyder, if that's the source of the, the physical philosophical differences, whatever it is, whether they're denying him control, whether it's money, whatever it is, if they're reluctant to give Quinn Snyder exactly what he wants, it's because there's a big swing out there. Yep, I agree with you.